You may have seen on Instagram that I placed a question box in my stories a few times asking people to submit questions. I'm going to be answering some of those questions today, as well as some that I pulled from my email. One thing that I can honestly say all the questions had in common was, how do I get my students to read? Maybe not all of them were asked in that way, but that was definitely the underlying tone of about 90% or more of the questions. And I get it. It's hard when students claim that they don't like reading. Hi there, I'm Carolyn Wall, your host of the Middle School Cafe podcast, a podcast specifically for secondary ELA teachers looking to close the achievement gap. I'm a 20-year veteran teacher who still loves being in the classroom. Tune in each week as I reflect on my own teaching experience to bring you lesson plans, strategies, and stories that will help you develop your students as readers and writers. So grab your notepad, cup of coffee and join me each week as we dive into all things ELA. Here we go. Hello and welcome to the Middle School Cafe podcast. I'm your host, Carolyn Wall. As I sit here thinking about summer and creating my to-do list, I can't believe this podcast has hit 30 episodes already. What started as a small dream a few years ago is now happening. And I'm thrilled that you're here and I'm thrilled to be able to share my love of teaching and my love of reading with you. If you're enjoying the podcast, could I ask you to do me a favor and share it with a teacher friend or go and leave a review? It would help me out a lot as well as help the algorithm to ensure that other teachers looking for ELA content can find the podcast. Because I've spent the last 30 episodes sharing from my heart and what I think is important to talk about, today I want to pause and spend some time answering your questions. You may have seen on Instagram that I placed a question box in my stories a few times asking people to submit questions. I'm going to be answering some of those questions today, as well as some that I pulled from my email. One thing that I can honestly say all the questions had in common was, how do I get my students to read? Maybe not all of them were asked in that way, but that was definitely the underlying tone of about 90% or more of the questions. And I get it. It's hard when students claim that they don't like reading. My biggest piece of advice today is to do what you believe is best for your students. I'm going to provide you with some suggestions today based on my own experience, but you know your school, your students, and your district's expectations better than I do. My goal here is to provide you with some ideas when you're feeling stuck or just looking for a place to start. So let's jump into some questions. Question number one says... I feel like there's so much to do that I already feel I can't cover everything. Giving students time to read is important. How much time should I devote to reading in class? Well, you're definitely right. There is always so much to do. I can't ever remember a year where I thought I had enough time to teach all the things. One thing to keep in mind is that no matter what you do, there's always going to be more. So don't stress yourself out trying to get through everything because it just simply isn't going to happen. Instead, Focus on what you can get through and teach it well with purpose and depth. How much time you devote to reading in your class really depends on how long your classes are and what time of year it is. My goal is to read 20 minutes a day every day, but that's definitely not where we start. I have 50-minute classes and choose to devote as much time as possible to reading in class. If reading is something that I want my students to value, then I have to show them that and provide them the time to do it. If I don't prioritize reading for my students, many are never going to choose to do it on their own. So in the beginning of the year, I start with just five to eight minutes of sustained reading time every day. That's everyone reading for the entire five to eight minutes. 
This can sometimes be the hardest part of the year as many students didn't do any reading over the summer. So they have to relearn what it means to read in class. And I stay with this five to eight minutes for as long as it takes because this is key. What I mean by this is that every day I set five to eight minutes aside and everyone just reads. Because if I try to increase the time, I'm going to lose them and send the message that it's okay if everyone's not reading, I'm going to move on anyway. So if it takes the entire first month of school to get everyone reading for five to eight minutes a day, it's worth it. Once we have everyone reading, I gradually increase the time until we can read for 20 minutes a day. I consider five minutes, 10 minutes, 15 minutes milestones. So once I get everyone to that point where they can read for that full time, I stay there for a little bit and then I increase the time. I don't make huge jumps. I might go from five minutes to eight minutes, 10 minutes to 12 minutes, 15 minutes to 18 minutes, and just gradually increase it. I don't usually get to a full 20 minutes until sometime in November, even sometimes in December. So keep working at it. A lot depends on your students and the grade level you teach, but don't give up. Also, if you're getting pressure from your admin to keep reading time in class short, don't think you can't do it. Don't think there's not enough time. If you can devote even 10 minutes a day, a few times a week, it has the potential to improve students' connection with reading. All right, question number two. So many of my students hate reading. Oh my goodness, how many times have we heard that? So many of my students hate reading. I find that silent reading time becomes a behavior nightmare for me. What advice do you have for students that refuse to read in class? This question or form of this question comes up all the time, even in our discussions at school. It is amazing to me how many students need to use the restroom or get a drink of water or need to go to the nurse or the counselor or they need to go call their mom or any number of things when it's reading time. Remember that these are learned behaviors for getting out of work. I work really hard at the beginning of the year to help students unlearn these behavior and set the tone for reading zone. Just like in the previous question, I start slow at the beginning of the year, setting expectations. I go over the expectations with students. I create an anchor chart so that the expectations are visible. And then we practice. This is also why we start with just five to eight minutes. If I try to jump into 20 minutes right away, I can see how it might be a behavior nightmare. Because we're starting with this this five to eight minutes of reading a day, most students can manage their behavior. This helps students to think of reading zone as a regular routine. And that's really the whole purpose of, or that everyone is reading five to eight minutes as you want to set that routine, that expectations. So some things that I include on my behavior anchor chart is that everyone must have something to read. The beginning of the year, especially, I allow my students to read pretty much anything, a magazine, an ebook, a regular book might even allow them to use an audiobook from our school's online library. My goal here really is just to get them used to the routine and the expectations. The second thing on my anchor chart is once you pick a spot for the day, you need to stay there until the end of reading zone. I personally allow my students to sit in a comfortable space around the room. If you're not comfortable with that, then simply have them sit at their assigned seat. 
However, I would encourage you, especially if you teach eighth grade and older, to at least allow students to work towards earning the opportunity to sit where they want during reading zone. We'll help them to see reading as a more enjoyable activity. I know that's easier said than done. And I know that it's all kinds of behaviors that come with sitting where students want. Number three, which I think is a really important life skill for them, not just reading zone, is to be aware of the things that distract you. Let's face it, there's always going to be distractions. Instead of constantly calling out distractions, causing more distractions and frustration for me, I try to focus on helping students quickly and quietly acknowledge a distraction and then refocus. For example, if an office aide comes in to bring a note, the typical reaction from students, especially at the beginning of the year, is to look at the door, engage with the office aide, and then ask, is the note for me? Is the note for me? Instead, I teach them that if they're distracted by the door opening, quickly take a look, take a breath, and then refocus on your book. This also works if you have a student causing a distraction. Teaching students to acknowledge the distraction and refocus helps students to build stamina for reading or stamina for a specific task even and takes the attention away from whatever's causing the distraction. If I just ask my students to ignore the distraction, I think it just like entices them even more to be distracted by whatever's going on. I also want my students to be able to self-assess how they spend their time. So once I've introduced the expectations and we've practiced, I also introduce a rubric. No, I do not grade my students on independent reading, but students understand rubrics. So while we're in the initial phases of building reading stamina, I ask my students to self-assess how they use their time. The rubric asks them to think about each of our expectations and score themselves from one to five on how well they personally met the expectation. This forces students to think about their own behavior and it provides an opportunity to review the expectations daily without me having to constantly review it with them. Having clear expectations for reading zone and a way for students to self-assess how they use their time will help students stay focused and will eliminate some of the minor disruptions in class. I have a free poster that you can print and use with your class with some reading zone expectations. I'll add that to the show notes. I also have a resource in my TPT store that will help you and your students build reading stamina at the beginning of the year. So you can look for that link if you are interested. The next question is similar to the one that I just answered, but it has a slightly different focus. This question says, how do I get students to engage with reading when they hate it and don't understand it? If a student tells me that they hate reading, I know they just haven't found the right book yet, or they have had a negative association with reading due to their abilities or lack of positive exposure to reading, or because they're being forced to do something they don't want to do. Much of getting students engaged in reading is helping them to relearn what it means to be a reader. Reading should be seen as something fun and enjoyable. This starts by teaching students how to find just right books. This is a key component to getting students to read. After all, how engaged are any of us when it comes to tasks that we don't want to do? Helping students find books that they can relate to will make the task of reading more fun. Students who are traditionally considered reluctant readers are typically reluctant because they're afraid to engage in a book because it's hard for them, right? That makes sense. So how can I offer books to them that takes away that feeling of intimidation and overwhelm? Here's a couple of suggestions. First, use graphic novels. Graphic novels are a great place to start because they're perceived as being easier. 
many students are willing to engage in a graphic novel because it has pictures and each page has limited writing. Students can get through a graphic novel faster, which helps them to feel successful. And once they taste the success of finishing a book, they're more likely to pick up another one. There are many novels that also have a companion graphic novel. So this is a great way to introduce a novel to students. Get them to read the graphic novel first. And then when they get to read the novel, it's easier for them to comprehend. If your school requires you to read specific books, look to see if that book has a graphic novel and introduce that first. Books in verse can also be an easier sell to reluctant readers because just like graphic novels, they are perceived as being easier. There are less words on each page and students can get through the book quicker. That doesn't mean that it has any less value, but the students can get a quick win and overcome the I hate to read mindset. You can also use audiobooks. Audiobooks are a great thing to entice students to read. Allowing students to listen to a book while following along with the actual paper book has been proven to increase comprehension. Not passively listening while they're doing something else, but actively listening and following along. And don't forget to talk about abandoning books. Sometimes students don't want to commit to a 300-page book. That seems impossible to some of them. But if they know that it's okay and acceptable to abandon a book, they may be willing to try it. I ask my students to try any book they want and give it at least 50 pages to decide if they don't want to read the book. I never discourage a student to return a book and pick a new one. If they do it too often, then we'll have a conversation, but I do want them to find a book that they're going to enjoy. I don't want them struggling through a 300-page book that they don't like. You know the saying, we're better together? I say it a lot, and it holds true for getting students to read. If a student doesn't believe that they're a reader, it can sometimes be helpful to pair them up with another student for partner reading. There are two ways to approach this. Let students of similar reading levels pair up and choose a book to read. Then they can sit together and take turns quietly reading to each other. It helps each other to get through the book and it increases their comprehension. Or another option to partner reading is to have two students read the same book separately on their own, but then allow them time to discuss the book each day. The end of reading zone, give them a couple of minutes. This will help encourage them to read, to keep moving them forward in the book, and it will improve their comprehension because they're talking about it. I want to do what I can to provide positive reading experiences to the students that claim to hate reading. Usually, once I can get students paired up with the right book, then they're going to keep going on their own. All right. Our next question says, the non-reader students have no, and no is capitalized, the non-reader students have no idea what kinds of books they like or how to find books they might enjoy. What are some ways to help them? Definitely. While there have always been students that have no idea what they like to read, I've noticed an increase in students in my own class over the past few years that have no idea where to even begin. One thing that I've done that has helped is to revisit genres. I was surprised this year that most of my sixth graders could not identify genres. Even my eighth graders last year, who I felt should have known genres, struggled with this. And some students really are not even sure the difference between fiction and nonfiction. So this year, once I realized that students didn't know what genres were, I spent a few minutes each day for about a week, maybe a week and a half, going through several popular genres for middle school. 
In addition to revisiting what the definitions were, I book talk several books in that genre. Genres will help students to know what types of books are available, but that's probably not going to be enough. This is where the teacher-led book talks can definitely help. Take the time to book talk several books in the first few weeks of school. Pick books from different genres, different styles of writing, different formats. I might book talk three to four books a day in the first few weeks of school. And then after that, it's definitely a few times a week. And if I could do every day, I will. Incorporate other voices in your book talk, meaning if you can invite other teachers or staff members to come share some of their favorite books, do that. And don't be afraid to use book trailers to your advantage. One of the most popular books this year in my class was introduced to students from a book trailer. It was a YA horror book, a genre that I don't like at all. So I knew I couldn't sell the book with a book talk, but the book trailer did a great job and kept that book on reserve for several months. All right. This next question is very controversial. So I'm going to give my opinion. The question is, do you assign reading homework? For many years, I did. But unfortunately, I found that very few students actually did the reading at home. And requiring signed reading logs really only opened the door for some parents to lie for their students. I wish it wasn't that way because reading is such a crucial skill for life and students should be reading outside of class. I hate that reading is seen as something that students only do at school, so I try to offset that with some fun challenges to encourage students to self-select reading as an activity that they can choose to do outside of class. It helps, but it's not perfect. The key to enticing students to read outside of class is having a book that they want to read. If students have a book they are really interested in, they are more likely than not to self-select to read at home. When that happens, when they read at home and then they tell me that they read at home, I make a huge deal about it with them, praising them for making such a great choice. I highly encourage all students to read outside of class. And when parents ask what they can do to help their child, my number one suggestion is having their students read 15 to 20 minutes each night. I will put some ideas for reading challenges that you can use with your students in the show notes if you're interested in seeing what I use. All right, let's do one more question. It says, I love the idea of reading conferences, and I've even tried them a few times, but I find it hard to manage the rest of the class while I'm focusing on one student. Any suggestions? This is a great question, and it's going to go back to expectations. However, I want to talk a little bit about reading conferences. I know that reading conferences can be intimidating at first. And I've shared in episode seven that I found getting started with reading conferences hard, very intimidating for me. But once I jumped in and fully committed, I really can't imagine teaching ELA without them. If you are struggling to get started with reading conferences, I highly encourage you to go listen to my story in episode number seven. All right. To address this question, let me say that you need to start slow. I know, I know. I think I say that for everything, but it's so true. You can't just jump into the middle of the year. At the beginning of the year, your focus should just be on getting students to read. If you are in the five to eight minutes of independent reading time, still trying to build some stamina, I wouldn't worry about trying to add reading conferences just yet. During that initial phase of establishing a routine, I would spend your time modeling expectations and what it means to be a reader. Once you hit about 10 minutes of sustained reading time, this is when I would start talking about reading conferences. 
I would start by simply talking about them, what they are, why we do them. Start using some of the questions that you might ask in a conference, just in your regular conversations with students. I would also have students practice talking about their books with a partner. You really just want to set them up to understand what a conference is and to be comfortable sharing their reading. As much as students act like they don't care about adults, talking to an adult can be very intimidating to a student, especially about something academic. Make your first conference something quick. I usually use the beginning of the year surveys as a jumping off point because it gives the students something that they can look at and it's a little bit less intimidating. So once you've hit that 10 minutes of sustained reading, do a quick conference with the rest of them. Again, that sets your expectations and it allows the students time to get used to you talking. If you take it slow, you're setting your class up for success. By spending time initially getting students used to reading zone, they understand the expectations of reading zone. So when you gradually add in the conference, it's easier to remind any off-test students about the expectations which then makes it easier to follow through with classroom consequences should you need to. If you're jumping into conferences too soon or haven't set the reading zone expectations, students will often feel that if you are talking to a student, that it's okay for them to be talking too. So that's why it's really important to take it step by step. Wow, those were some great questions to talk about. A quick thank you to everyone who responded to my call for questions, and I'm sorry that I couldn't get to all of them. I thought this was really fun, however, so I'm thinking that maybe we'll be doing another Q&A episode in the fall when everyone's back in school. One of the goals I have for the podcast is to be a place where teachers can find relevant professional development, to be able to talk about the things that are happening in our classes right now. I've been working for a while now on a summer series that I know you will see as relevant professional development. One of the things I advocate for is collaboration between teachers, especially teachers that are still in the classroom. This summer, I've invited seven teacher friends to be guests on the podcast. They will be sharing with you valuable information from getting students excited about reading to how to differentiate to meet the needs of today's student and so much more. We've already recorded about half of them. And let me tell you, these ladies have delivered on providing amazing tips. With each one, I found myself taking notes on things that I want to try next school year. Many of these teachers I've worked with in the past through different online collaborations, so it was really fun getting to chat with them over Zoom. I hope you'll find some time to come listen this summer to each of the interviews. I'll also have a little challenge with some prizes, which I'll give a little more details about in upcoming episodes. The summer series will begin in July, so until then, it will be our regular format. Next week, I'll be talking about some of the things that I'm personally working on this summer to hopefully make next year's classes even better to take what I learned and reflected on from this school year and what I'm going to attempt to implement for next year. Thank you so much for being here today. This is my last week of school with students. So it's going to be super busy, but super fun. So until next time, everyone, have a great week.